0: This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. Well, we're here on UT's campus right now. School is about to start tomorrow, actually. That's gonna be Wednesday, but we thought it'd be a nice place to reconvene, get everyone together. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. Ryan, it's just been you and I the last couple times, but now looking across the table, we got our guy back, the one, the only Jack Foster. Welcome back into Knoxville, gearing up for his final year of school. Man, we're back, we're happy you're back with us.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to be back too, man. Uh, Energy is in the air here in the 865, and last first day of school is. thursday for me so that's exciting that is yeah it's not only one last year one last semester yeah. for Mr. Foster. So yeah, that's right. He's really... Home uh, stretch.
0: He's coming down the home stretch, that's exactly right. You got a football season in you?
2: Despite
1: Absolutely. the uh, despite the academics that, that you gotta get to get the diploma, you still got a football season in you?
2: Rick, I will always have a football season in me. <laughs> Until <laughs> I'm 95 and older, I will always have a, 90, or a football season in did, me. Did you guys see the video just a couple of days ago of
1: Josh Heupel meeting, I guess, what is the class of 27? 2099, it feels like, but (laughs) 2027, you know, did you guys, I mean, he came onto the stage, it looked like, you know, looked like maybe a Michael Jackson concert. (laughs) Like, it was just a wave of people like you'd see at one of the Coachella videos or something. I mean, it looked wild in there.
0: My favorite part of that, uh, I think they probably had a bunch of different sports teams, but they had some basketball players up there and they had Jordan Ganey was like throwing out t-shirts. And I was like, Jordan Ganey might as well be in, be in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. obviously, he's not a freshman. He's not class of 2027, 20, but he's uh, just starting his first semester he just to, got in Tennessee, here. too. So I was kind of finding that a little funny. It's a, it's a welcome for all the freshmen, and not quite a welcome for Jordan Ganey. He's been here since uh, May, but uh, a little bit of that as well. Yeah, no doubt about it.
1: My friends, this is episode 99, unless I'm wrong. <laughs> Not, I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm 99% sure this is episode 99. So coming back next week, we will have our big episode 100 of kind of this new and re Press Pass podcast. Uh, we will have season predictions. We will have a week one Virginia preview. We'll be coming to you next week with episode 100. But in the meantime, we mentioned Jack Ryan Shumpert, of course, around the table. And then my name is Rick Butler. Guys, we are less than two weeks away from the football season. It is right here knocking on the door after a good couple months of off season and Look, we know that the, the offseason never really kind of goes away. The conversation never goes away, and recruiting no. is a big part of that. But now we're finally here. Like Jack said, you can feel the excitement in the air. Just what have you kind of – what, what have you been – a little bit of your thoughts from training camp and kind of leading to right now. We actually spoke to Josh Heupel yesterday, and he said that, hey, training camp portion starting to wind down a little bit. Now it seems like they're starting to move into more of the preparation for Virginia, more of the preparation for the se- uh, for the season. Just kind of start getting some guys on the right page.
0: I think that school starting uh, – the only people that like that – well, maybe other people like that. I don't know. The only people that really like that are football players because that means camp is over and they are not spending <laughs> – 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, every day at the football facility, like they have been for the last three weeks. Uh, I know that is a grind uh, every year at that t- time of the year, uh, but no, it, it starts to prep a little bit. Tennessee needs to continue to get work in, and, and you know, this was kind of coach speak, and I think it's true for every team. Josh Heupel said it yesterday you know, we got to keep getting better. We got to keep getting better leading into the opener, we got to keep getting better into the season, uh, and I think something that kind of hit home with me is how particularly true that is this year. I think for two reasons, we touched on one of it last week. Tennessee's first two games of the year they should be able to handle with ease. There are four touchdown favorites over Virginia, Austin P. FCS school. They got two weeks to kind of continue all those fall camp battles. Play sure. as many guys as you want in the games. Figure out your guys, figure out that, that cut line. The guys that are going to play and the guys that aren't going to play. You got two weeks to figure that out. So I think that really puts a lot of emphasis while we're less than two weeks away from the start of the season. It really kind of feels like there's about a month until Tennessee has to find those answers. And then secondly, it's what I've talked about a ton. The young, talented players on the defense that Tennessee is hoping can step up and contribute. Those are the guys that you would point to and say those are guys that should get a lot better from now to the start of November and the home stretch of the season. And I think when you have as many young guys that Tennessee may not be relying on the play, uh, but for them to hit their ceiling, they need those guys to play and be good. It kind of puts a special uh, emphasis on the need to continue improving even though it camp's over.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you look at maybe one or two of those guys and you wonder if they're just kind of on the brink of getting to that level that they need to be. And maybe it's just the true in-game experience that's gonna, yeah. what, what's going to kind of carry them there. But, Ryan, we'll jump back to some of those thoughts here in a second. Jack, I want to ask you this. You have not, as we just mentioned, you weren't in Knoxville for the practice schedule, but obviously you were following along, writing great articles for Rocky Top Bents that are making some good videos. Just kind of what have been maybe some takeaways that you've noticed from afar uh, just through these first couple weeks of Tennessee training camp?
2: Uh, Yeah, and I like what I've seen out of Dante Thornton and the reports from him and, you know, just intriguing camp battles, whether it's in the secondary with Andre Turntine getting in the mix and Danico Slaughter playing solely at corner, stuff like that. But I've really become more and more excited about Dante Thornton as the preseason has gone along. I was kind of out on him being you know, one of the big contributors for Tennessee's offense. I, I was thinking Ramel Keaton is poised for a pretty good year. I love what Brew McCoy brings to the table. Squirrel White is explosive as all get-out, but I think I was sleeping a little bit on what Dante Thornton could be in his first season at Tennessee. Playing in the slot, explosive, not as explosive as Squirrel White, but certainly really explosive, and I think he could be – in store for a really really big season with Joe Melton.
1: yeah and like you know Ryan and I have noted on the podcast or on articles before when you see him up close I mean you know that he's six foot yeah. five you know what his weight is you know that he's a big guy who who's you know got, got great length and athleticism to him but really when you see him up close is when you're like man this guy is a you know is a freaky body and then obviously you add in the traits that he can do as well so that's that's certainly a great pick but Ryan going back to something you said a minute ago you know we we are talking to Josh Heupel the other day, and he talked about some of those position battles. And I thought you mentioned a really good point that I wanted to bring up early on is that some of those positions are going to see rotation as we continue through the season. I think offensive line and secondary a little bit may be the two places that Josh Heupel talked about during his last press conference. Now, <clears throat> that being said, the offensive line, absolutely. I, I think you need to see rotation there because you need to figure out which one of those guys are going to step up and more or less demand that spot. And there might be a little bit of a rotation as the season goes on. But as far as the secondary goes, I, I think that we could see a rotation. But to me, man, once you find the guys to lock into the secondary, it, that needs to be a, a – maybe not a veteran-led unit, even though it absolutely could be. But to me, it feels like that that needs to get a little bit more solidified, or at least maybe
0: it will be a little bit more solidified just because of the bodies in the room. Josh Heupel said, you know, we're going to play a lot of guys in the secondary. Not that that's the end of the world, but to me that's not really a good thing. Like, yeah. That's not a good yeah. sign. It's what I go back. I think I had in my you know storylines to watch entering fall camp is can Tennessee find separation at corner. It's what we've t- talked about throughout the off season. There was a little gap between Tennessee's best corner and their sixth best corner last season. Yeah. If that and all basically all those guys are back. Christian Charles is playing safety. They've added Gabe Judy Lolly into three freshmen, uh, but it's a lot of the same names. You need to find separation. If not, it's hard to think that this unit is going to be significantly improved from where it was last year. So I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world that he said they're going to play a lot of guys. I would have anticipated them to play a lot of guys early in the season. Uh, But, again, it's kind of like that point. Once you get to Florida, once you get to a little further on this schedule into October in the heart of SEC play, I think you want to find some answers. Maybe you play three, four guys at the two cornerback spots and three guys at the two safety spots. Uh, But I don't think you want it to kind of be – Uh, what sort of looking for the Ferris wheel or whatever that phrase would be which it kind of was last year of just another new day new guys
2: in there yeah absolutely do you feel like uh, Hypo saying that is more because of you know I feel like that's probably because the veterans aren't taking the steps that they probably should have I mean that would be the the conclusion to draw from that yes Yes, there's not
0: solution then it's the the seniors haven't taken a big step but and First of all, I mean, it's every single per- every single person that feels like in Tennessee secondary is a senior. They're either a regular <laughs> senior, a redshirt senior, a super senior, but they're all seniors. And, yeah. and that's why you have so they've all been here a minute. Yeah, they've all been here a minute. And uh, you know, that's where I think comes intriguing with the young guys is I think it wasn't yesterday when Heibel spoke, but after the scrimmage last week, he said something to the extent of, you know, those young guys they're going to get some opportunities in defense, but you know, really special teams will, where it'll play. It doesn't feel like they're knocking on the door early. But if you don't have that separation if none of those veterans none of those seniors have taken a step those guys will get a shot at some point and at some point if those freshmen can play at even a similar level to the myriad of seniors that tennessee has you almost just ride with them maybe if you're in the college football playoff uh, race you don't do that because every every little margin is super important but if you're staring down the barrel of a 9-3 and three season, which wouldn't be, you know, bad or anything, then, yeah, let's get these young guys experienced because uh, they're the future, and let's let them figure some things out playing SEC football before they're full-time starters. Yeah, you,
1: you had a great phrase with it, and I, I think to kind of echo those points, for Tennessee to be their best in the secondary, I think that guys need to create separation. It, it can't be a situation where you just kind of look at the sideline and they say, all right, let's grab some guys, let's put them in. It's got to be, hey, we need Danico Slaughter at the corner alongside Kamal Haddon or Warren Burrell or whoever it's going to be. Hey, we, we need – you know, Tank McCullough, we need, we need to marry McDonald, we need Wesley Walker back there in the safety spots, you know, one of those kind of things, but on the other side, though, talking about kind of position battles and maybe some rotational pieces, Ryan, the, the offensive line still kind of continues to be, and I, I think at this point, it's going to kind of end the training camp as my most worrisome position, at least just from what I've seen on the field, I, I think that ultimately what you're looking at is multiple spots being, being reconstructed in the offensive line, but you think about it, and let me ask you: Was Gerald Mincy part of your projected depth chart starters?
0: um yesterday, that you wrote a couple days ago. Yeah, no, not not yesterday. Okay, so like I had him as the backup of both tackles. Well. Yeah, and, and
1: I agree with that. And I think that if you're looking at Mincy being out of the starting lineup for coming in this year, I mean, you're looking at, at three to four kind of offensive linemen that you, that you're going to have to shift into a new starting role for this year. So I do expect to see rotational pieces, Ryan. I think what you said was correct in these first two games and. No disrespect to them, but I think those are your opportunities to rotate guys in, to see what they have, to give them a little bit of game experience. That, to me, is just going to be the position to watch for the entire year, seeing how they mix and match, seeing how they find the right guys. But that that is the position that kind of worries me the most, or at least has my attention the most as we wrap up training camp here, just because I don't exactly know what they're going to do. We know that Cooper Mays is battling that injury, although... They expected him to be back at some point around the first week. We'll see if that's a little bit before. We'll see if that's a little bit after. But, yeah, the the offensive line still continues to be kind of my one big question mark heading into the season above anything else.
0: I think there's a lot of that, too. It's become twofold. I mean, going into it, it was – obviously, you knew there was a battle at left guard. I don't think there was a ton of emphasis on that. It was more about the tackle spots, who's going to start there, and – it feels like John Campbell to Miami transfer is locked down the left tackle spot and it kind of feels like Jeremiah Crawford I'd at least be surprised if he's not the first guy on the field at right tackle but what if there's rotation what does that look like I mean last year they rotated at left tackle throughout the entire season Um, so that's kind of the first part of it and Cooper Mays' injury has expedited the importance of finding his backup and figuring out some things in the interior of your offensive line and Ollie Lane who seemingly has really won that left guard spot is now having to play a lot of center as the backup too and kind of do what Jerome Carvin did last year Um, and I, I think that's a big not that it's impossible to do I mean Jerome Carvin did it pretty well but for a guy that has played some football at Tennessee but hasn't started a ton Uh, You're putting a lot on Ollie Lane's plate to be ready to be the starting center, to be ready to be the starting left guard. And if Cooper Mays can't go week one, uh, again, I don't think that's a long-term injury, but it does seem kind of up in the air whether he'll play week one. Uh, You have all of a sudden some questions you need to answer at both tackles and at center.
2: Yeah, which which are you more concerned about? The interior with the left guard spot, with Ollie having to shift to center since Cooper Mays may be out, you know, the thought is he'll be able to go week one. But let's just say he's not for this, you know, for this hypothetical. Are you more worried about that left guard spot or one of those tackle spots? I'd say, in given that scenario, I'm more worried about the tackle spot still. Still?
0: Yes. If you told me Cooper Mays is going to miss five or six games this season, I would change my answer to the center spot. Because the center spot is so important in Tennessee's offense with the tempo that they run and and being on the ball. And it's Center's important in any uh, offensive line, but it's particularly important in Tennessee's offense, and I think that's putting a lot on Holly Lane uh, to learn that, as opposed to a guy in Cooper Mays, who's entering his third season as Tennessee's starting center in this offense, and, and knows it like the knows the pace and knows all the operational side of things, like it's uh, the backside of his hand. You know, Ryan, you mentioned uh,
1: some of the veteran players in the secondary, and and I think for you know a good bit of these guys, whether you're talking about the secondary, whether you're talking about the offensive line, it's a little bit of a make it break or year for these guys just because of how old they are, because of their time through college football already. You talk about guys like. You know, John Campbell Jr. who is a redshirt junior or excuse me, a red senior who transferred over to Tennessee. Ollie Lane, another redshirt senior. So some of these guys kind of entering the later stage of their career. So like we talked about with the secondary, need to step up and kinda of need to need to, you know, establish their position, establish
0: why that they're in that starting spot and and go forward from that. Certainly for John Campbell, I think that's true. And it's really the same for Gerald Mincy, too, even though we don't know if he's gonna be in the starting lineup. I mean, those are guys that have at least the athleticism to flirt with making an NFL roster. And that's you know probably a large part why John Campbell transferred to Tennessee. Ollie Lane, less so. I mean, I don't really, all due respect, I don't really see an NFL ceiling for him. Um, but as in terms of having a big role at Tennessee, I mean, obviously he's been an important depth piece. He's played uh, the last few years. But uh, a kid who went to Gibbs High School is from the Knoxville area. Like, I'm sure he grew up dreaming of playing in Tennessee. And, you know, this is his – whatever it is, redshirt, senior year, his final year at Tennessee, and he's going to be a starter. So, obviously, uh, kind of a different pressure, a different
2: now or never, uh, but certainly kind of the same same thing, too. Yeah. yeah. I look at Gabe Judy Lally in the secondary for that reason. Sure. You know, he's just transferring in. This is third team now. This is make or break for him and, you know, a bunch of guys on defense. Now dead about it. You know, one of my kind of
1: last thoughts on, on the offensive line conversation, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, I think it just really goes to show – how valuable of a piece that, that Jerome Carvin was in Tennessee's line last year. You even go back to Ronnie Garner talking about how Latrell Bumpus was maybe a guy who did not get talked about near as much by the media or by the fans or whoever it was for his role last year. I think a lot could be the same uh, said about the same about Jerome Carvin as well and maybe a little bit more known as one of those key uh, offensive line pieces. But just his ability to fill in needs on the line was so valuable for Tennessee. And now you're kind of seeing how it works without him. So – That is another interesting aspect. But, Ryan, you and I talked about, you know, training camp last week for a good 45, 50 minutes or so. What do you say we maybe move into a little bit more of the season? We talk about some predictions, right, some superlatives. I know we did this last year and it was a good hit. What do you say we do it again? Yeah, let's do it. Give it up to Jack. Jack, would you like to start with offense or defense, I guess? Oh, I'm an offense guy, through and through. I like it. Well, I don't think there's going to be many conversations or many questions, I should say, about the quarterback stats, right? Yeah. Joe Milton <laughs> leading the team in yards and, and, and passing touchdowns, whatever it may be. Quarterback seems to be locked up, barring you know something crazy that might happen here or there.
0: No doubt about that. And you know, it's kind of the same thing. If we, you know, wanted to do a, a debate on who the most important player is on the offense, it's no doubt about it, Joe Milton. So still, so much. It's an incredibly quarterback driven sport, and it's a very quarterback driven offense that Tennessee runs. Um, so as we talk about so many different things and position battles and important things, that's kind of the one uh, thing that over overlies all of it is the importance of Joe Milton and the importance of the season he has for Tennessee's success. Yeah, it definitely does. All right.
1: Let's move into the running backs a little bit. Tennessee returns a three-headed monster in terms of running backs. you got Jalen Wright, you have Jabari Small, you have Dylan Sampson. We'll see what happens after that. But those are your three main guys for Tennessee. Talk to me about, let's say, rushing yards leader. Who leads Tennessee in rushing yards this year?
0: I think it's Jalen Wright. Uh, it has been the guy I've been the highest on, really, from the middle of the season of last year. I thought he should have gotten more carries last year, though the fact that he fumbled a lot kind of made it understandable that he didn't. Um, but he's i think the physically the mo- at least at this point the physically most impressive back in, in Tennessee's backfield we've heard a lot of praise uh, about him from coaches this offseason this fall camp uh, he's been fully healthy after being banged up all last fall camp so uh, i think Jalen Wrights really do or, or is going to have a big breakout year and uh, i think i would take him to you know any sort of rushing stats i, I would take him as my pick
2: yeah. okay Jalen Wrights rb1 right. he's going to lead the team in rushing yards and and, uh, I, I just think for a while now, he's for at least the last two years, he's been the most talented running back on Tennessee's roster. And if there's a year that he's going to finally break out and show up all those loose ends of his game and just put together a really nice season, it's this year. So
1: if you add up the attempts between Jalen Wright, Jabari Small, and Dylan Sampson last year, you get about 350 or so. Okay. About 150 from uh, Jalen Wright, about 160 attempts from Jabari Small, and you have about 60 attempts with Dylan Sampson. How do you kind of see that shaken up this year? Do you still see Jabari Small uh, getting the most attempts this year? Do you see that moving over to Jalen Wright with what you said, Jack, maybe running back one role? How do you see the distribution of things going? What's the order of that?
0: I think it's Jalen Wright. If you made me guess, it will be Jalen Wright 1, Jabari Small 3, Dylan Sampson – or Jabari Small 2, <laughs> Dylan you. Sampson 3. Yeah. Um, I think you know if if it was me if I if it was me Madden NCAA football playing with this Tennessee roster sure. Dylan Sampson would get more carries than Jabari Small but I think Jabari Small just does so many little things well being good in short yardage being good in pass protection uh, not fumbling being super steady um, now the one thing that would kind of hold it back there is the potential for injuries he's obviously just you know yeah. chronic bad shoulder essentially that's always going to be an issue for him um, but that's uh, the Dalvin Cook of yeah exactly so uh, I think he I would bet on him to get more carries than Sampson but to me what that breakdown looks like not necessarily just in order but proportionally it will be fascinating because I still think it's not going to be a massive massive gap between any of those three guys I think Sampson closes it from three to two and I'm not sure you know we think Jalen Wright's going to get the most carries I'm not sure it's Extended a ton upon what the gap was between Small and uh, Wright last year. Yeah, I I think
1: we heard from Jerry Mack right, that really throughout this offseason, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright are a lot more alike now. And and to me, that gives Jalen Wright a little bit more ability in the red zone. Last year, they used Jabari Small in the red zone a lot. But Ryan, for, for what you said right there, too... I think that at some point you could deal with some injury concerns. Obviously, it could happen to anybody. Jabari Small has been the one who's kind of banged up the most. So I'll also go Jalen Wright for rushing touchdowns as well. I mean, they were really close last year. Jabari Small had 13. Jalen Wright had 10. And, again, we know that this is going to be a running back unit by platoon, and they're going to they're going to bring in guys, and they're going to rotate guys. So guys are going to have different opportunities. But I think that Jalen Wright is going to give them more of an opportunity to just kind of bang it up the middle, right, when they're in that red zone, when they're trying to push the end zone. I think that he's going to give him a little bit more of an advantage to do that this year just because of the offseason training, because they're a little bit more alike. And so I'm going to give the advantage to him in terms of rushing touchdowns.
0: Jalen Wright's crazy just looking at his body and his skill set. It's just changed so much from his it, freshman year. It I mean, really has. Small North Carolina high school, speedster, super fast, not very physical, uh, not very patient in the run game. Uh, and now, I mean, it's, that's what you hear him compliment about is his patience. And, I mean, physically he's the most – the biggest of those three, uh,
2: so it's been pretty crazy to watch him develop over the last two years. Naked eye he looks like a complete back. There's no he doubt he does. About yeah. It. yeah. Um, but I'm also going to take him in touchdowns. Part of him taking over as RB one in this offense, I think, is leading the team in touchdowns. And I'll go back to the attempts here. As Ryan said, I think Samson closes that gap from second to third. I think the biggest gap in carries is between right and small between. In one terms of two. one and two. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's crazy big. It might not even be fifty or more. But yeah. That'll be the biggest gap.
1: So, Jalen Hyatt dominated the receiving touchdowns category for Tennessee last (laughs) year, right? He ended the season with 15. Nobody else had more than four. I think there's going to be a little (laughs) bit more uh, distribution spread out throughout this season. But ultimately, to me, I think about this question, who's going to lead Tennessee in receiving touchdowns? I think Brew, I think Dante, and I think Squirrel each have a pretty good route that could get them to that answer. I actually don't really know where I'm going with it. To me, I kind of want to say... Maybe it's just because Jack was hyping him up a little bit a couple minutes ago, but I kind of want to say that maybe Dante Thornton could be that receiving touchdowns leader just because of the versatility that he gives you on the field. Not only can he be a speedy guy from the slot, well, he, we know that he's going to play the slot a, a good bit regardless. But not only can he be a speedy guy from that position, we just talked about it earlier, right? The guy's six foot five; yep. he can go up, he can jump. Ryan, we've seen plenty of deep routes throughout fall camp where you know he he, he just took a couple strides, he was in the end zone, and he's able to make a nice catch. So. I don't know if I want to make that prediction without seeing him in a game for Tennessee, but it seems like maybe he could have the most potential just because of all the different traits that he brings to the table. But also like Brew because we know the relationship he has with Milton. You saw in the Orange Bowl last year, I think there was that first mm-hmm. touchdown pass to Brew where, hey, he, he threw it up and he threw a bullet and where it needed to be. But he talked a lot about just the trust
0: he had in Brew in that moment as well. So I actually kind of
1: find this this question tricky to answer.
0: Do you? Yes, it is. I mean, it's. I had a friend text me yesterday about like – He's in a Power 5 college football fantasy league. And it was like, what Tennessee guys do you like? And I'm like, I honestly don't like a ton <laughs> offensively just because I think the running backs, like we said, it's going to be very split on carries. And the receivers, it's kind of up in the air on who it's going to be. But I will take Dante Thornton. I mean, that would be my pick, and that's the guy who I told him to take because I think his he's probably flying under the radar in the national scene more. Yes. Um, here's my thing. Brew McCoy is not a huge big play candidate, which I think hurts his ability to get touchdowns in this offense. Squirrel White, who is a big play candidate, we've seen last year, did Joe Milton deep balls knock him down when he's catch, catching them? <laughs> you got to dive for the yeah, one Yeah, I, I he had, what, three or four touchdowns last year, and a lot of them were, were in mop-up duty. But he caught three or four more passes from Joe Milton inside the five-yard line. Play, yes. Where, yes. you know, it, there was separation. And if he could have kept his feet, yeah. which, again, you're starting to catch the ball, it's a 60-yard pass, You would have <laughs> scored. So uh, I think that limits <laughs> him. And then – you know, Ramel Keaton is just a sleeper in Tennessee's receiver room as a whole because he just does everything pretty well and nothing spectacular. Um, so, And I think there's an argument to be made for a lot of those guys, but I think just the, Dante Thornton's big play ability mixed with his size making him a – You know, not like he's just going to be a juggernaut in the red zone, but a threat there, too, uh, makes me like him.
1: You know, real quick, even before that, I said earlier that nobody had more than four touchdowns. Romel Keaton actually had five on the year. So that actually kind of surprises
2: me a little bit without thinking about that first. So certainly Romel, a a good pick as well that I didn't mention. Jack? Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think Tennessee has more big plays this season than last? Lots of Jalen Hyde. I know Milton has a bigger arm, but Hendon had a big arm, too. Do they have more long touchdowns this year than last? I don't think they do because they run the ball more. I, that's just me.
0: Yeah, I, I would side with no um, because of what you said. I, I don't really take much to the fact that Joe Milton's big arm. I mean, Hinden Hooker could right. make every exactly. throw you needed. He couldn't make
2: the. It's a little overblown, Milton's arm. It's great, and it's the strength arm. Yeah, that's just arm not college, the most important. Not, right,
0: the, your arm strength's not the most. Im- there's like a, a cutoff point where if you can make every throw, that's all you. I mean, that's all you need to have, and Hindenhooker Hooker could do that. Now there's right. an extra gear that Joe Milton could make the unbelievable throw yeah, yeah, yeah. on a you know break away from the pocket uh, but I, I just don't think you see that enough to make up a huge difference. Okay I agree with both of you guys but
1: uh, to play a little bit of devil's advocate here uh-huh. Tennessee went the most of the 2022 season without Cedric Tillman right that was a that was a big big loss and obviously a big play guy who could go down and stretch the field so really it was just Jalen Hyatt able to make those really big plays plenty of other guys stepped up as well with this Tennessee team, though, with this current one, you have a couple of guys. I, I think you're looking at Dante and Squirrel as two guys who can stretch the field at absolutely any position at, at the time. The tricky part about that is they kind of play the same position from what yeah. we know. So yeah. I don't actually know how much they're going to be on the same, how much they're going to be on the field at the same time. But that's at least my, my to try to play a little devil's advocate is hey Tennessee's got two burners this time instead of just
2: kind of Jalen Hyatt who was fantastic last year while while Cedric Tillman dealt with a lot of injuries. And, and the point you just made there as far as Squirrel and Dante playing the same position, you don't know how much they're going to be on the field, each of them. And while I think Dante is poised for a breakout season potentially, I don't know how much you know percentage of the snaps he's going to get over his counterparts at wide receiver. So I'm actually going to take Brew McCoy a little bit different than y'all two. I think if you're inside the 20, Brew's on the field 100% of the time, and you know they're going to run the ball a lot more. There's going to be less explosive plays, and I think Brew leads the team in touchdowns.
0: I can see that. And the thing I would say – to Rick, to your point, which is a good one. To me, that's the most interesting question, is how much does Dante Thornton play out wide? We yeah. know he's been working there, and just the versatility and uh, just, I mean, I i would think as a defense coordinator, just sweating thinking about Dante Thornton and Squirrel White being on the field at the same time and just how thin that stretches you and how much you have to defend vertically. So that will be a really interesting I got one more point, kind of off-topic, uh, an airing of grievances in Frank ah, Costanza's term, okay. if y'all want to hear it. Yeah. My airing of grievances today is with the Moonshine Mountain Cookie Company.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> great cookies. Can't love them. Can't, say, don't can't lose praise a friend them enough.
0: here. Can't praise them enough. Great cookies. If you're looking for cookies, great place to go. <laughs> I know where this is going. Yeah, I think I've told them to you already, <laughs> Rick. So... Last year, you know, two years ago, they had their (coughs) NIL promotion. Alante Taylor gets an interception, free cookies. Happened twice. (laughs) And and credit to them, I think one of those interceptions was on a two-point play, so it wasn't even an interception. And they said, "Oh
2: wow, nice! Come on, you're getting cookies! Come on,
0: come on now!" Last year, last year they said it as Cedric Tillman two touchdowns uh, in a game, free cookies, and you know it didn't it didn't happen (laughs) one time. But I do not blame Moonshine Mountain Cookies. Cedric Tillman had had. Like two three or three, yeah. yeah, multi-touchdown games the year before. A late lot late. of it. I would have expected that to happen. He got injured. You know, there were a lot of things that stood in the way. <clears throat> this year, they're running back the exact same promotion with Brew McCoy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Brew McCoy had four touchdowns last season. <laughs> Great player. I mean, no disrespect to Brew McCoy. <laughs> Great player. He had four touchdowns. And we had to, he had to score two touchdowns. Yeah. Half of his touchdowns last season for yeah. us to get free cookies. You're fighting an uphill battle to that. Battle. <laughs> like you're setting the over under at times Rum McCoy catches two touchdowns next year and the people in Knoxville get free moonshine mountain cookies at 0.5. It may happen. It may happen two times. It felt a little bit of a soft. So though. you want cookies and you
1: yeah, feel I like you feel like
0: this is not the most efficient route to get your free moonshine mountain delicious cookies. It, it, I would agree and I you know defending them it would be like all right it's kind of a hard one to pick because if you're going to do another receiver, you know I would maybe Bru McCoy, to me, is the most marketable Tennessee right. receiver. He's the guy that everybody rushing knows. Touchdowns. About. Rushing touchdowns is yes. the solution. Smaller right. <laughs> yeah, pick one. Smaller, pick one of smaller right. That's your solution. Yeah, You might get it a few more times than you want, but I don't think that's going to happen more than, like, four times at the most. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that should have been the solution. It should have been one of those games. That's a good point. Sed had
2: uh, two multi-touchdown games. Georgia and Purdue? I actually only have he had one touchdown against Georgia, two hundred yards though. But Purdue and Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. Okay, okay. the last game
1: he would have snuck it in at the last game. Yeah, the second. And
0: people forget he was he caught that pass against Pittsburgh last year, the the long pass that got tackled at the one yard line. Yeah, they 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 called it a touchdown originally, and it got overturned, Mm -hmm. and then he had the overtime touchdown. So he almost had two touchdowns one
1: game. Ryan is now our de facto expert on
0: uh, um, nil cookie deals. Yeah. Just give me nil promotional deals, and uh-huh. I think I can be there a fantastic go. expert.
1: As our resident expert on nil promotional deals, yes. How do you feel about the one that Weigel's just yeah. put out? I was going to every time that Squirrel White score every game that Squirrel White scores a touchdown this season, you get to go into Weigel's to for the you get to go into Weigles the very next day, and you get a free six pack of Coca Cola product. It's how
0: a good. How do you feel one. about that one? It's a good. It's a good promotion. I will be taking advantage of it. My only question mark is. Does Dr Pepper count as a Coke product? It's not technically <laughs> a Coke product at Publix when they have the buy one get one free uh, Coke product deals. Dr Pepper counts, so I'm hoping that stays the same at Weigel's. But nevertheless, good deal, <laughs> good promotion. Is the
1: Dr Pepper in the Coke fountain?
0: Yes, but it's 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 a very it's Dr Pepper is own owned thing. by its own company, yeah. so
2: it's. But Pepsi won't carry Dr Pepper because they'll carry Mr Pip, right? Like Coke the- will carry Dr Pepper, I think, but not Pepsi. Pepsi in like, the past, out here? They, they got Dr. Pepper. You
0: okay. You already know. Right. You no. I graduated everywhere on campus. That <laughs> I, I graduated from this university 15 months ago. If you don't think I know <laughs> what they have in the the fountain drinks, <laughs> you're either <out of> your <laughs> bored.
1: So we'll be seeing you at Weigel's maybe on
0: Sundays. Yeah, this, this there's point. one right ne- ne- real close to
2: my apartment, so I'll be I'll be uh, checking it out frequently. By the way, we forgot to mention. It was a nightmare in Colombia but the next day I got they got free cookies cuz he scored two touchdowns in South Carolina. That, there you go. <laughs> wow. So it's it always it so It Did happen. Yeah. Everybody was just dreading the the <laughs>
1: Tennessee's playoff chances, yeah. getting into the coffin, the shovels yeah. burying it <laughs> deep under. He caught one for jo- the last touchdown. Yeah, the very right, one. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. And he caught one yeah. in the
0: first yeah. half. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I do remember that play on uh, two different two different incidents. You were yeah. probably busy riding here. Yeah, because the game was. Over. <laughs> yeah, the game was over. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, let's move on to defense now, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. what's uh Which one should we start with? I'm blanking. sacks. Sack leader for Tennessee. That's a good one. In honor of Mike Keith,
0: sack. <laughs> Let
1: me see who led Tennessee in the stats last year. Byron, Byron Young, Young with I think f-
0: five and a half sacks. Byron maybe. Young had seven sacks. Seven
1: sacks, more than I thought. Your next highest was one. Aaron Beasley with three. All well, of I'm of them wondering were game. if two to three of them <laughs> no, all, all of came of in. Them, all of them, were, all in the them were in the Orange Bowl.
2: Yeah, that's insane. Aaron Beasley,
1: Roman Harrison. Josh Josephs. Josh Josephs, God Amari God Thomas, God Thomas, maybe. Tyler, or Amari Tyler Barron Th- 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 I would say Tyler
0: Barron over Amari
1: Thomas. Tyler Barron over Amari. Yeah, I won't argue. I'm I'm Amari Thomas had two sacks last year,
0: I think. Okay. Maybe. Uh,
1: Amari Thomas had, he had two sacks Yeah, the sack against year,
0: Bama yes. when, and <laughs> put and him into second and 25 and immediately yes. busted coverage for a 30-yard 30 <laughs> 30 gain for Alabama. <laughs> Tyler Barron ended with 2.5. So I think that's – pretty fair as, a, as kind of your four
1: highest projected, and frankly, that's four out of the top five last year, minus the guy who was a fifth-round draft pick for the Los Angeles Rams. And Jack, could he even be starting for the Rams? Have you seen anything about that? I don't
2: know about starting. I mean, uh, they rested, saw, him, in, a, they like rested him in the game. second preseason game, which means he's in great standing on the depth chart. I don't know if he'll start, but he'll certainly get playing time. We'll be on the lookout this year. But I think that's a fair pick.
1: Aaron Beasley, Roman Harrison, Tyler Barron, uh, and Josh Joseph. Josh Joseph. So uh, those are going to be all four of my picks. You guys can go (laughs) ahead. Uh, I will certainly get one of those right.
0: I'll go with Roman Harrison. He just feels like the safest pick. Uh, His floor feels like three sacks, and his ceiling feels like six sacks. So it's not a huge uh, Mm -hmm. difference there. But uh, I think he gets to that five or six range, and I think there will be very little separation between those guys. I think Tennessee will have maybe four guys that have between like four and six and a half, seven sacks of the season. So I'll take Roman Harrison kind of as the safe bet, um, but, and a guy I think is going to be Jack's pick. Uh, I think it would probably be if you're Tennessee's coaches and you're sitting around the office and you're who's going to lead us in sacks, You would hope it would be Josh Josephs
2: because he's a guy I think his his ceiling is higher. Yeah, and there's so much rotation, you know, so all these guys are going to get opportunities. But if Josh Josephs ends up starting more games than not for Tennessee alongside Tyler Barron as one of the edge rushers, then I think he's going to end up leading this team in sacks. Roman Harrison's a great pick. I think he's a better pick than Tyler Barron. He has, you know, a little more twitch than Tyler Barron coming off the edge, I think. But Joshua Josephs, man, just watching him play and the upside is there with the potential. I talked to Omari Thomas about him at SEC Media Days, and he's just said – Josh, Josh Joseph has done everything the right way. He is poised for a breakout sophomore season. So I've been big on him all offseason. He's been my, you know, sophomore to watch or whatever you want to say, second-year player to watch for Tennessee, I, you know, all throughout the roster this season. So I'm going to pick him to lead the team in sacks.
1: Um, there was a whole myriad of guys at, at two sacks last year, and, and most of these guys all but one look to be returning. You have James Pierce Jr., Tyree West, Elijah Herring, Dejan Terry, who's the, who's the one who's gone, and then Mari Thomas had two as well. So a bunch of myriad of guys. How about uh, – are we feeling about the same for tackles for loss? I, I think the same kind of guys are probably in that conversation.
0: Yeah, same guys. Beasley has more of a candidate. Beasley, Beasley I, I would Beasley think. Beasley led Tennessee last year with 13 for 50. Beasley, Amari Thomas, and Barron feel like the three most likely there, I would say. Okay. Barron Moore would need a breakout year, but if he if Barron has that breakout year and he puts it all together, like I still would be surprised if he led Tennessee in sacks, but I could see his tackles for loss really going up. And he was fourth on
1: Tennessee's team last year in that same category. Okay. Okay. This one's a fun one. Total tackles. Are you going with a linebacker? Are you potentially going with somebody in the secondary? I think the linebacker is the safe answer to me. I- I'm going to go with the same guy I just picked for tackles for loss. What do you think?
0: Aaron Beasley definitely feels like the safest pick. Yeah, that's right. He's just – you know he's going to play a ton. And you know Keenan Peely is going to start beside him, but I'd say there's you know some chances someone could pop up and end up playing – you know, similar number of snaps uh, as Keenan Peely, but Aaron Beasley you know is going to lead him in snaps to the linebackers. He's a good tackler. He can play sideline to sideline. It, it just feels like yeah. the, the no-brainer pick. That's honestly. what I was thinking
1: too. Just the athleticism that, that Beasley has and the range he has on the field. I, I think he can get to a lot of different spots on the field in just relatively a few quick steps. Whereas I think that Keenan Peely is going to be a guy who maybe ends up on a lot of assisted tackles, right? Kind of plugging up the middle if you got to run up the middle or if something's going on. I mean, this is a guy who is a Big dude who can kind of go and just fill that hole is another big body. So I think if you're asking me, Aaron Baisley seat certainly leans over uh Keenan Peely, but
2: Peely I think is still going to be productive. Jack, any other, you're not going a secondary member, are you? No, I mean, you look at the 2021 season, Jeremy Banks led the team with 128, second was Beasley with 84. Last year, Beasley was first with 76, second was McCullough with 58. So it's a pretty big disparity as it far is. as whoever's the best linebacker, you know. The, Top linebacker for Tennessee's defense is going to lead this team in tackles, and that's Beasley this season. I'll also give him the nod for TFLs.
0: Uh, one, and again, I have a, I just have a hard
2: time seeing it being anyone but Aaron Beasley. But one uh,
0: kind of off the radar guy to maybe finish top three, I would say, is to Marion McDonald. Uh, yeah, the star position always is star down position gets tackles. a lot of tackles. He was top five last year, and I could see him. You know, having started for a full year in that slot, I could see him being a guy that kind of takes a step forward, like Theo Jackson did in 2021, yep. uh, where Theo Jackson just looked like just took his game to a whole other level, made himself a, a NFL draft candidate. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, you got draft yeah the Titans drafted him. Yeah, so I knew so he ended up enough. with the Titans. I couldn't remember if he was undrafted free agent or not. So I could see Tamarindo McDonald having kind of a similar breakout year and ending, you know, top three on Tennessee's team in tackles. Yeah, and I
1: think that. I'm really high on him getting into the season, but I, I, I do think that Wesley Walker kind of could be on the outside looking right into that, to that top few as well as one of Tennessee's top safeties right there. Speaking of the safeties and the defensive backs, how about interceptions? Three guys tied for it last season. Trayvon Flowers, Jermarion McDonald, and Kamal Haddon, they each had two. Kent, first question, is somebody going to have more than two this season? Second question is, Who leads?
0: It's a total toss-up. Yeah, it, it really is. What a
1: brick wall of a question right there.
0: I mean, it just goes back to what we led this entire podcast with. There's <laughs> a billion dudes in the secondary that are gonna play, and we haven't really seen any of them play at a super high level. I'll take Danico Slaughter. No,
1: that was gonna be my. I thought I was gonna. I thought I was <laughs> gonna
0: have that. That.
1: Game. Well, he's
0: he's my favorite guy in the secondary. <laughs> he plays with some aggression that I think gets him, uh, puts him in position to get some interceptions. I mean, so many Tennessee's defensive backs. It's like all right, you're not going to get burnt, but you're going to be able to get ten yards, you know, right? Throw it right in front of her face pretty often. Slaughter plays with some aggression, which I think puts him in a position to maybe get some more interceptions. Does put him in a position to get burnt some, as Alad McConkie did to him down in Athens last year. But uh, he would be my pick. I'll say he gets three. I'll branch out and wow. say. Wow. Okay. He, right. he knocks Yikes. over that all two right. and a half window and. He gets
2: three interceptions. I'll just go with who I think is the best playmaker in the secondary, and that's Wesley Walker. Uh, I mean, I don't, I, Slaughter was actually going to be my pick, but just for the sake of being different, I'll go Walker. Just because I think he's the best DB on Tennessee's roster, and I think he could have a big season. T-Mac also in there too.
1: I'm going to go Trayvon Flowers. Just kidding, he's
2: <sighs> not there anymore. You know who should have led Tennessee in picks who? the last two years is Jeremy freaking Banks. How many <laughs> dropped interceptions did <laughs> that guy have? Like half a dozen. (laughs) Maybe maybe we should pick a a linebacker. Was it
0: it the Florida or the Alabama? I think it was the Florida game. There was one game last year. I'm going to have to go back
2: and look at it. I'm pretty sure it was the Florida game if you're talking last year. Yeah,
0: where Jeremy Banks had, he had, not all of them were drops, but he tipped (laughs) or had two hands on no less than like five passes over the middle and didn't intercept a single one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was like one of those where you'd watch from the press box, and then be like, oh, like a lot of them would be like, oh, that was a pretty good play, like just to deflect it. Yeah, and your 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 view is kind of warped, and then you'd go turn, look at the replay. that's ten seconds delayed on TV, and you're like, oh no, he definitely, <laughs> at least could have, if not should have intercepted that
2: pass. Just got bricks. That's Who knows?
0: Maybe
1: maybe Beasley is a dark horse in that is that in that position. Uh, granted, they only got to get to three to beat last
0: year's best, so you know yeah. maybe maybe anybody could be in that position. I do like the Wesley Walker pick because. I mean, his ball skills just seem solid. It's better than what Tennessee's had at the safety spot. Wesley Walker, year. actually, the highest returning safety, as graded
1: out by pro football focus in the SEC this yeah. year. So, I'm going yeah. to say a lot of big guys left. You know, so. <laughs> um, you know, it's not like the craziest stat in the world, but it is out there.
2: I don't know what, tell the, your friends. what necessarily is a bad ratio in this. I don't even know if this is like a stat people keep track of. But in the last two seasons, which is what I'm referring to for Jeremy Banks, uh, when he started, of course, every game. He had one interception, eight pass deflections last two seasons. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I'm trying to think. I did that Alabama preview
0: this morning, and two of their corners, it wasn't as bad. I mean, that's a different position because you're making right. a lot more good plays yes. to deflect passes. But yeah, I think right. – I want to say Kool-Aid McKinstry was something like two interceptions, 18 pass deflections, and – Oh, I'm blanking. What's the other corner for Alabama? It's gonna returning starters back. Uh, oh, not Malachi Moore started. Cool. No, no, that's, that's what, what I we just said. said. <laughs> uh, I'll find. It. As you find the guy, uh, as you find the guy, I'll say I think it was like one interception and in like eleven pass deflections. But again, that's you can make a lot more good plays deflecting passes at corner than you typically will at linebacker.
1: Yeah. All right, gentlemen, how about some rapid fire questions?
0: Yeah, let's do it. D. Williams had
1: one punt return touchdown last year. Over or under his one?
0: Over under one and a half? Or I one. mean, yes, but just <laughs> do you think he? You He's think he definitely better than last year. Yeah,
2: yes, I think so. I think so as well. Uh, this one's a Jack. Go ahead. Uh, Trey Amos, by the way, is that the guy you're thinking of? No, I don't think so. Terian Arnold. Terian Arnold, that's okay. the guy I'm thinking of. Cool. Uh I think I'll D. Take Williams over. takes back more than one? Yeah, I felt like he should have had three last year, or at least he had the potential to have three with He had a uh, couple big big breaks. How many he got at least to the second level there. So yeah, I'm gonna take D. Williams over one and a half. I wonder if they have that on DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> 21 now, now, dude. I'm going crazy over here. Wow, we got a
1: big spender over here. (laughs) This one's hard to predict considering Tennessee did not see their kicker on the field last year at all, but Chase McGrath went 16 of 20. You think that old Charles Campbell can go better than that? Better? More? Whichever direction you want to go. I think think he's a better kicker, so yeah.
0: I think definitely he'll make more field goals, so I think Tennessee's red zone offense will be worse. I mean, Tennessee got in the red zone and scored a touchdown last year. Like, that was basically (laughs) the reality. Check this out.
1: Chase McGrath did not kick an, a single field goal inside the 20 last year. He only had two total <laughs> well, attempts inside the 29-yard line. So you're right. Tennessee I mean, I, literally uh, didn't kick a field goal when, inside the red zone last when year. When Tennessee got to the red zone, they Sebastian did not, red zone in the they did not even far. attempt a field goal. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was unbelievable. So I think that's a great that's a great point. I didn't even expect it to get there, to, to actually say that, yeah, it, Josh Campbell's probably going to have more opportunities than Chase McGrath did last
0: year. I was talking about this with the good folks on the, the More Important Issues podcast they had me on this yeah. week. good folks. You would really think, as Josh Heimel doesn't ever let us watch anything meaningful in practice, you would think he would almost stick us in there and say, hey, you can watch the kickers and yeah, the punters. Yeah, would be fun. I'd like And that. I would love that. Like, that would be, especially <laughs> this year when you have a new kicker and a new punter. like, that would be – Informative, entertaining to watch. We'd be able to track down actual kicks and like have something meaningful besides the one time we get to watch them uh, do red yeah. zone one on ones. One of my favorite parts of an
2: NFL broadcast when they bring Jay Feely on and he's like, <laughs> yeah, "He's nailing the fifty-six yards <laughs> in the preseason." Don't
0: know about fifty-nine though, but,
2: yeah We're gonna have to see. You know, that's the cool. wind,
0: The wind was going this yes. way in pregame. It's a little different now. Yeah. That could change <laughs> things. Don't know about fifty nine though. Yeah, no, that, you're right. That is great. That's a great part of any NFL broadcast. That's fantastic. Any others that I missed?
2: Uh, special teams is kind of my my. Uh... Um, Taking uh, Dylan Sampson YPC yards per carry, hundred percent. What a, What about the yards per carry? Like he's going to have the highest oh, yards per t- tennis t- yeah. of any Tennessee running Could
1: back. Could Dylan Sampson lead the Tennessee running backs in all purpose yards? I, I don't I know. Think, oh, I think Jalen Randle. I don't
2: is know gonna how much he's very... going to be on the field in passing situations. It's can't pass block. I don't know. Yeah, he learned. He learned from
0: his mistake at LSU last year. Come on! <laughs> he almost got his quarterback killed.
1: I do think that Jalen Wright's going to be more involved in the in the passing game this year, and they said he he,
0: he does have improved pass block as well. But
1: anyway, you think Dylan Sanders can maybe get?
0: I just don't see any Tennessee's running backs getting enough receiving just, yards yeah. to make it making a huge difference. Sure. Um, yeah, we haven't seen it a ton, and I you know with Joe Milton's skill set, I wouldn't think we'll be seeing it. Um, um, you know, oh, there's not a ton of reason I think we're going to see it a lot
2: more this year. Um, yeah. What about tight end yards? Who's going oh. yeah, to lead Tennessee in tight end yards? Oh, dang it. I'll go take a board. Really? I think all three of those guys will be – here's my prediction. All three of those guys have between 200 and 300 yards this season. I would not be surprised if Ethan Davis does, just because they use Warren and Cali as blockers more than not, you know. Mm. Yeah, but that's the reason I just worry about him being unfilled enough. Is his blocking. Right. He's definitely the most talented pass catcher, like, no doubt, in my opinion. I mean, he could have a handful of 30, 40 yard receptions and then get there that way. Yeah, that, that's
0: probably He'll do it with less reception. And you
2: saw yes, that, that really nice
0: was. reception from
1: when he took that pass from Nico in the Orange Bowl, just kind of right there on the sideline where he turned and made yeah. that. Yeah, Orange Bowl game, yeah. 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 What Orange, did I say? Orange Bowl, which is also could be called <laughs> Orange, Orange, Orange Bowl game. Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, Tennessee's version of the of the Knoxville Orange Bowl, but uh, yeah, he did have that really good catch. Catch. I'll, I'll say Jake Warren as well. I, I, I something in my body wants to go Ethan Davis, and, and I'm just not going to do it yet. But like Jack was saying, it's not going to surprise me at all to see big plays from him.
2: Yeah, all three of those guys, I think, will be in similar range. Wait, hold on. Who leads the team in interceptions? Because Joe Milton hasn't thrown an interception at Tennessee, so he (laughs) can't. Maybe Jackson Ross on a fake. Maybe Jackson Ross. Halfback pass. We posted we posted that video
1: today's Wednesday, August twenty second. I don't know if I mentioned that at the top, but we actually posted that video on Instagram today, and he he quickly commented on it. Jackson Uh, Ross did. Yeah, so he he's well aware that Hypel, you know, he, he said that. Well, we know that Jackson will lie now. I I thought that was
0: all... I don't even... I think this was all just a plant by Mike Eckler to get teams worried about Tennessee's big (laughs) pun abilities. I think Mike Eckler just just has a big personality. And he was messing with the media a a little bit, maybe throw in some other teams uh, on the wrong set. said Jackson
1: Ross was one of the best athletes on the team. I (laughs) I have no no reason to doubt that Jackson Ross is an athletic individual. I mean, he was playing Australian rules football for a good
0: long while, but I mean... The most what that the philosophy?
1: most? I, that's, I you share about that? Can we also can we, sure we talk about,
0: about and maybe Heichel was meaning himself because he yeah, said a more Jackson, grievances. He made the Jackson rot, not a grievance, just oh. uh, the, the the Tony Vitello new segment <laughs> I did, the Tony Tony Vitello friendly kill shot at one of his own players, <laughs> which is the infamous when he was looking at Charlie Taylor's batting average during the Knoxville Regional two years ago, he goes, my guy Brian Erlacher, when, when Charlie Taylor was hitting 54 we're giving that award this week to Josh Heipel for the perceived shot at Navy Shuler when he was like, he was like, Jackson Ross doesn't have the third best arm on a team. He may have the fourth best arm. He's like, it's definitely not better than Gaston's.
2: Oh my gosh. It may be better than Navy
0: Shuler. Maybe he meant that to say that, like, <laughs> I have the third best arm and Jackson Ross is the fourth. And, it, I mean, obviously it was a playful comment. That's way. how – honestly. But to, ex- a- to exclude Navy Shuler and be like, no, Gaston's arm's definitely better than the punter's.
2: I'll Navy's arm, eh, I'm not yeah. so sure about it. Like, <laughs> I, re-
1: close. I read it as, hey, I'm better than the, than the rest okay. of the quarterback. I read it as, like, well, he may be the fourth, but he's not the third because
0: I'm the yeah, third. Maybe so he
1: can then be the fourth. That so- would be
0: more friendly and less of a uh, – Less of less of a shot. But I so, think you're
1: right. He did mention Gaston at one point. So the only one he didn't mention in this in this big hypothetical conversation with himself and the punter involved was one Navy
0: Shuler and Jack's
2: guy, the uh, new walk, the freshman. Yeah, Aaron Henry County boy. Yeah, yeah. There was. Do you
1: actually know him, or just he? Yeah, he was I, mean, from right I don't where? know him well.
2: I was a senior, and he was a freshman. Oh, so okay. I don't we're not like buds, but like I know him, and I've talked to him before. Yeah, very nice. There you go. That's all I got. That yeah. is
1: all I got. Again, we're going to come back next week. It's going to be episode one hundred. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to kind of be giving final season predictions. Ryan, I know you. Uh, you and I. I don't think Jack was. No, was on it was some like at that, the end of July. Or something. Yeah, that's right. Kind of towards the end of July or so. You, you and I, Ryan, did season predictions. We will do that again on uh, coming up next week. Those will kind of be our final season predictions. I know I have changes myself after kind of watching uh, training camp and seeing the direction some things are going, so make sure you're on the lookout for that. Otherwise, hey, stay tuned with RTI on social media. You can follow Jack. At Jack Foster Media, you can follow Ryan at rshump00. That's S C H U M P. You can follow myself. That would be at Rick underscore Butler. But of course, just make sure you're checking out Rocky Top Insider at Rocky Top Insider on each and every social media channel. We are at Rocky Top Insider on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and
0: Instagram. What's the Instagram, Twitter? Have we been posting anything on that? I know we have an
2: account. Wait, what? Oh, Threads. 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 Yes. Oh, the Instagram. We have not. <laughs> Instagram, Twitter. Hey, we can't uh, say Twitter. Instagram. What are you guys doing?
1: Right. X. X. Elon's gonna
0: come after us. The marketing. I mean, We don't need to get into it. They changed I hate the, the app. They changed the yeah. app a couple that? days ago. What, what are we doing? Looks like my phone. My phone screen. I was ah. like, what's <laughs> on my phone?
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Your phone with a button. You yeah. old old man. Oh my
2: goodness, Ryan. Yeah. You are a 60-year-old.
1: Yeah, well. all right, Let's go ahead and jump out of here. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out today. Hey, thank you, the listeners, for joining us today and listening to all of our breakdowns. Man, we're really excited for the football season, and this is going to be our best content year yet. We have so many great ideas in the pipeline for you this football season. We will be with you every single step of the way. Thank you for being with us. Have a great day, and thanks for listening to the Top Insider Press Pass Podcast.